What's going on, everybody? You're listening to a New York Giants edition of the Postgame Report. So, the New York Giants once again lost. And this wasn't a regular loss. They got their asses whooped by the Dallas Cowboys once again. They gave up 49 points. At least this time around, the offense scored 17 points. Which has been a first in quite some time where the Giants scored more than 11 points. So, this was an ass-whooping all around. The defense was very disappointing. Now, to be fair to the defense, they started off pretty good. They had a goal line stand, and they actually held the Cowboys to a third down, forcing them to punt. And then the offense couldn't do anything so when you have a team like the Dallas Cowboys that can run on you and can pass it's tough it's tough for any defense you're asking a team like the New York Giants to defend the Dallas Cowboys and do the best they can while your offense cannot generate any points let alone alone generate points, but they can't even control the clock to give the defense some time to rest. So I'm not making excuses for the defense. They just simply got outmanned. They got beat up. And it it was just a bad game to watch. I, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, they're an NFC East rival, and the fans are annoying. Well, 90% of the Dallas Cowboy fans are annoying. I know some Dallas Cowboy fans who are cool, so I won't say they are all annoying. I'm sure they feel the same way about New York Giants fans. Uh, Tommy DeVito, this time I'm not going to call him Danny. Tommy DeVito did what he could. The kid. Pass for two touchdowns. I believe he leads the team in touchdown passes. If you were to tell me during the preseason that 10 games into the season, the New York Giants' leading passer in touchdowns would be Tommy DeVito, I would have, I would have locked myself in the house and cried for the entire season. because. There's only one reason why Tommy DeVito would be the leading passer for the New York Giants. And in touchdowns, that is. And that would mean that Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor were hurt or ineffective. Some can argue that both things happened. That uh, Daniel Jones wasn't as effective as he was last season. Tyrod Taylor came in. There's this argument that Tyrod Taylor looked better than Daniel Jones, but then again, the offense still wasn't scoring points. And mind you, against the Buffalo Bills, Tyrod Taylor and the New York Giants offense had the ball twice on the Buffalo Bills' two-yard line. And both times, they came away with no points. 
Now we all know the offensive line is is a joke. When you consider that they played against a very tough pass rushing team, they held up pretty good. Whatever what whatever it was was it if it was a scheme or which which it most likely was leaving protection, extra protection, and then having less receivers running out for routes. You're not going to succeed by doing that. Not against the Cowboys. Now, I say that they did pretty good, but they were still giving up pressure. Cowboys were still getting sacks, so it wasn't that successful. Saquon Barkley couldn't run the ball. He ran the ball late in the second half when... You know, the game was way out of reach. And Dallas, at least in their defensive front, it seemed like they were playing to rush the passer more than even, and not even giving a damn about the run. So Saquon was able to break some decent runs. I mean, I didn't even want to talk about this game, but... I've I've done it throughout the entire season, so I might as well just keep going. I, I I'm I'm in the same boat as some of the other content creators who have talked about this game against the Dallas Cowboys. They really didn't have anything to say. So of course the media is going to take certain things. There was a heated discussion in the sidelines, and uh. Slayton, it looked like he was arguing with Sterling Shepard, which he wasn't. He was actually having a heated discussion with the wide receivers coach. Unfortunately, when you are a losing team and you are as bad as the New York Giants, things like that will be amplified and they will be broken down by every media outlet. And it will all come down to the fact that they are losing and the team is losing its belief in the coaches, in each other, so on and so on. We're going to hear all kinds of speculation over which coach should get fired, if the GM should get fired, what player is toxic, so on and so on. We're going to hear a lot of that stuff because unfortunately, There really isn't much to talk about. We had Kayvon Thibodeau go out with a concussion. We had, I believe, Cordell Flott with a shoulder injury. I think there were two players who went out with a concussion. And uh, Banks, he, he had some kind of injury. He went out. So there were a bunch of people falling. And especially on defense this time around. It wasn't the offense. There was a big scare where Andrew Thomas was laying on the ground. And I was like, man, this guy is done for the season. But like a warrior, he came back with a brace and he continued to play. And he actually played at his all-pro level. There's There's a really great core of players on this team. Where you could look at Andrew Thomas and look at an all-pro playing at an all-pro level, which he did. 
And then on defense, you look at Dexter Lawrence. There were times, and it's out on the internet, there were times where three players were trying to block Dexter Lawrence. (laughs) I mean, the dude is... He has to be one of the... You know, there are a lot of great defenders in this league. Like, you look at Aaron Donald. He's a future Hall of Famer. And Aaron Donald is a much better pass rusher than Dexter Lawrence. Two different players, two different body types, two different playing styles. But when you look at what Dexter Lawrence does where he is literally bullying 300-plus-pound linemen. It is not... We're not talking about a guy who has superb technique and he is beating guys, and that sounds really kinky. He (laughs) He is defeating blocks with superb technique. We're not talking about that. That's where Aaron Donald comes into play. Plus, Aaron Donald has amazing acceleration for his size. What we are seeing with Dexter Lawrence, and Quentin Nelson isn't even doing this. Quentin Nelson, once again, is a different player, different body type. He relies on quickness and size. Dexter Lawrence reminds me, and I know a lot of people, well, maybe the one or two people listening to this podcast. He, I haven't seen someone bully his opponent, mano y mano, since Reggie White. I'm not saying that Dexter Lawrence is going to have the same sack totals as Reggie White. But when you look at, if you remember Reggie White, the man was throwing Lyman with his freaking uppercut rip move as if they were freaking 210-pound wide receivers. Reggie White would physically impose his will on the opposing offense and destroy the, the game plan. Dexter Lawrence is doing that from a nose-tackle position. You saw him throwing Zach Martin like a rag doll and then hitting Dak Prescott, and, and Dak Prescott felt that hit. He didn't get there in time to sack Dak Prescott, but he freaking smacked the crap out of him. Unfortunately, it was too late in the game to really matter. And then when you, you, know, you, you look at the stat sheet and you might say, man, Dexter Lawrence has fallen off. Last season, he had seven sacks. This season, he has two, two and a half. You know, somebody might say, after looking at the stat sheet, that he signed this contract, this big contract, and now he's playing like crap. But in reality, when you look at the replay from every game, you see Dexter Lawrence doing things that you would see in a JV football where there's this huge kid bigger than everybody else and he's just throwing everybody else around with ease. 
And it's not just his size, his power. Dexter Lawrence is fighting these offensive linemen with hand combat. And that's why he's been playing at an all-pro level the last two seasons. His hand technique, the way that they showed a play where the center for the Dallas Cowboys, he extended his arm to try to get to Dexter Lawrence's chest. And we're talking about 340-pound man running low. And I'm talking about Dexter Lawrence running low off the snap, having the coordination to take that arm and push it upward. And then with the other arm, continue his freaking pursuit and throw the center off balance at the same time. Now, the Cowboys were throwing quick. They were throwing quick passes. And when they wanted to throw a deep pass, they were triple-teaming Dexter Lawrence. And we're talking about guys like Zach Martin, who's a future Hall of Famer. And I believe Tyler Smith, the Dallas Cowboys' first-round pick last season, who has become a very... He's known for his physicality and his nastiness. And he actually played really well as a left tackle as a rookie. They moved him to his natural position at guard. And he's held his own. He's actually had dominating reps throughout the season. When you see Dexter Lawrence abusing Smith and the center, I think Bradish, and then at times the center and Zach Martin, I mean, you, you, the Giants are very fortunate to have this kid for a few more years. And I say kid because I believe he just turned 25 or something like that, which is crazy. He has a legitimate six to seven more years of, of play. So the Giants have two legitimate all pros on the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, Tay Banks on the second in the secondary, he has his productivity is his is he was having really good reps like the first four or five games. Now he's being tested, and these things happen what happens with rookies where you know they come in off the college season, they're working out for the for the uh, bowl games. You know, if their team is good enough to go to, to go to a bowl game. Then you have the offseason, like senior bowls and all that stuff. And then you have the NFL draft where you got to train for that. And then you jump into mini camp. Not even you have rookie camp. You get a little rest. You have mini camp. You get a little rest after mini camp. And then you have training camp. And then the season starts. So a lot of these rookies, you see a fall off after a while. The thing with, I'll talk about Kayvon Thibodeau and his rookie year. He was out for about two to three games. And when you count the preseason games, which I think he only played one and a half, if maybe. <laughs> so Kayvon had to catch up. And so his body was rested, but he wasn't in playing shape. 
So by the time he got into playing shape and his knee got better, Kayvon was starting to look faster than a lot of the players towards the end of the season last season. The opposite is happening with Tay Banks, where he was having a tough camp. There were reports that he was getting burnt by every Giants wide receiver. But then he started off strong. Lately, he's gone up against some really, I mean, when you go up against C.D. Lamb, man to man, that's not a, that's not going to favor you if you're a rookie cornerback. So, not that he's having a bad season now, Tabanks is still producing. He is still showing signs of a player that can be a, a building stone or building block in the secondary. Now, I don't bring up Xavier McKinney as a, as a building block for the secondary or uh, a Dory Jackson. Those two players will most likely be out. Uh, uh, they most likely will be on another team next season. And I like Xavier McKinney. I thought we had ourselves a Pro Bowl safety, maybe in a different scheme he is. And I'm sure if I'm thinking that, he's thinking that. So there's a very strong possibility that Xavier McKinney might not be a New York Giant next season. And that is why I bring up Tay Banks as a building block. Whether Wink Martindale is here next season as well as the defensive coach, or there's a different coordinator next season and he implements a different defense. Tay Banks is talented enough to play on any fucking defense. Now, linebacker, we have Bobby Okereke, who, from a, a from a production standpoint, he is being productive. But make you know, it was a it was like a two game stretch where Okereke was looking like you know Jesse Armstead. He hasn't made those big plays the last few games, but he is way ahead of where he was in the beginning of the season. So Bobby Okereke is a building block, and then Micah McFadden has been playing lights out. He still misses tackles here and there, but he is flying to the ball. He is beating blockers. To, to the line of scrimmage and he is flying into the backfield hitting running backs before they get any momentum and he's making big plays so it's safe to say that Micah McFadden wasn't having one of those flash in the pan moments he's been doing this all season he had a very horrible game against the 49ers and I guess he looked at himself in the mirror and said, man, I got to do better. And the kid has been playing way better than anyone expected him to play. A lot of us thought he'd be cut during training camp. But Micah McFadden is implementing himself as a future giant. And possibly a building block. And the reason why I'm bringing up this the defense mainly 
is because the defense has the talent that the offense doesn't have right now. So my philosophy is if you have a Pro Bowl caliber on the defensive line, Pro Bowl caliber player like Bobby Okereke at linebacker, and a solid cornerback who can turn into a Pro Bowl caliber player in Tay Banks, that's, you have legitimate talent on all levels of the defense. That is a solid foundation. On offense, we have Andrew Thomas. And that's about it. I can't even say, I can't even include Saquon Barkley because Barkley has been injured. And Barkley could be the foundation where you build your entire offense around. But unless you have one more player, like look at Dallas. Dallas has Zach Martin. They have uh, Smith at left tackle. Two of those guys are Hall of Famers. And Tyler Smith, he has potential to be an all-pro. Right? At least, or at least a pro bowler. He is a big physical guard who has the skills. He's already proven that he could play left tackle. The New York Giants, they have Andrew Thomas and then maybe JMS, John Michael Smith. But he's a rookie, so we need to see how he progresses in his second season. Evan Neal, I still believe in Evan Neal. When he played against the last game, when he he nearly went the entire game against the Raiders, and it sucks that, you know, I believe it was like the last series for the New York Giants against the Raiders, he gets freaking hurt. You know, like this is the type of season the New York Giants have had. And Evan Neal, he didn't look out of place when going up against Max Crosby. That is a positive sign. He was coming off an injury. He looked much better than he has basically all season. He didn't look awful against Boza. So he has shown progression when you compare how he looked in his rookie season. But now you have to think, is this guy injury prone? A dude who is 6'7", 350 pounds, is he injury prone? We have Mackay Becton in our hands. And Mackay Becton is bigger, but yet he could play left tackle. And we have Evan Neal, who was supposed to, who was drafted higher than Mackay Becton. Different drafts, of course. But when Evan Neal was coming out, compared to when Mackay Becton was coming out, Evan Neal, at, at certain points leading up to the draft, was slated to be the number one pick. And somehow, playing for the New York Giants, he's, <laughs> we have people talking about him going to guard. So, unfortunately, 
for the fans like myself. We don't know if we have a good player in Evan Neal because he can't stay healthy, so he can play an entire season and show if he's progressing or not. And then we don't know if it's a talent issue or a mental issue or coaching. So we're going to have to wait till next season. So you have possibly for the New York Giants uh, an all-pro left tackle, which is very important. Very important. You don't get those every day. Unfortunately, you have to be really bad so you can draft these guys. But we thought we had a future pro bowler in Evan Neal, and he doesn't seem to be working out. So it doesn't always work out when you draft high. And then JMS, he's playing good. For a rookie, he is playing really good. So that's three possible building blocks for your offensive line. Next season, they really have to do all they can to get two legitimate starting uh, offensive guards, whether one of them is Justin Pugh or not. We need to solidify the, the guard position, the right and left guard position. Because people are talking about drafting quarterback and all that stuff. You got to build around, around the quarterback. You do. So, Saquon Barkley is a free agent next season. There's a chance he might not want to come back. Daniel Jones. Is he going to come back healthy next season after tearing his knee up? Luckily, from what I heard, it was in a, a situation where different ligaments were torn. So that's good news for him. And then Darren Waller is a year older. He's injured. We've known he's, he's had in, uh, injury issues. <laughs> so what do we do at tight end? Darren Bellinger, uh, I don't believe that's his first name, but Bellinger was, you know, he was supposed to be this dual threat, good at run blocking and good at catching intermediate passes. He, he, he needs more time. He needs more time because you had Darren Waller taking over the starting position and getting all the reps and being the target, the main target. So now, Bellinger has to adjust from being like an H-back to being the starting tight end. And then wide receiver. We think we're not going to have Slayton back. Shepard. So those are two guys who are not going to be on the team, possibly next season. Then you have the young guys, Robinson and Hyatt. And then you have Campbell. I believe he's he signed a two-year deal, maybe a one. I'm not 100% sure. So in reality, there's a possibility. Well, I can't say that, right? I can't say reality and then possibility. So there's a possibility. Remember, I have, I have a brain injury, right? So bear with me. So there's a possibility that the New York Giants go into next season you know, I'm talking about the offseason, next offseason, with two wide receivers on their roster. 
Now, those two wide receivers have different talents. Uh, Hyatt is the deep threat, which we have yet to see. You know, the Giants tried a few times to get him. You know, DeVito, he tried throwing a deep pass off a play action. He didn't have the arm, and it was intercepted. Daniel Jones tried a few times against the Raiders, couldn't connect. So, in these last seven games, it would be nice to see Jalen Hyatt used more. Now, defenses know that he has, he has this speed, so they're not going to make it easy for the Giants quarterbacks to throw it deep. Because in order to throw it deep, you need time in the pocket. You need the ability to step back, read the defense, and then wind up your delivery. You need time for that. DeVito is not Aaron Rodgers who can just, at a flick of his wrist, throw 60 yards down the field. Most quarterbacks cannot do that. So, the Giants, they need everything to work. And when you have a rookie free agent quarterback, everybody needs to be on point. Everybody needs to play at 100% with no mistakes. And that is not, that is not possible, especially with this offensive line, especially with all the injuries. That is not possible. Even if the Giants were 100% healthy, that is not possible in the NFL. So the defenses, when they play the New York Giants, and I think this is happening all over the NFL, defenses are allowing teams to complete passes in front of them. So you give up three, four yards, and you make the offense have to earn every yard so that there's a possibility there's a mistake. So if I'm going 80 yards and it takes me 10 plays to get to your 20-yard line, whereas Dallas, the, the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants, it seemed like it only, it only took them three plays. So the law of average comes into play. If I'm doing 10 plays, there's, an, there's a chance during those 10 plays that there's going to be an offsides, there could be a holding call, there could be a fumble, or an interception or a sack. That's what the defenses are playing the way that they play the New York Giants like that. And unfortunately, <laughs> there's a lot of times where the Giants just go three and out. So the opposing defenses, they're not working that freaking hard. And whereas the New York Giants on defense have to work double because they don't get any rest and they're giving the opposing offense more opportunity to score. And when you have a rookie cornerback and you have a safety who's not playing up to par, and I believe Dory Jackson, yeah, he was out. So you had a, a, a backup playing at cornerback as well it's not that hard to see that to see why Dallas was passing a lot more than they were running 
And it was successful. I mean, they had two plays, two wide receivers with over 120 yards of receiving. It was sickening. <laughs> it was sickening to see Dak Prescott all happy, sticking out his tongue, freaking doing fist pumps in the air. You saw Jerry Jones' wrinkly ass fucking looking all cocky in, in his freaking luxury suite with his arrogant freaking son sitting next to him. It was sickening. It was sickening to see. But unfortunately, that is something New York Giants fans have been watching for quite some time when it, goes, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. They always seem to look like the team to beat whenever they play the Giants. So, Giants play the Washington Redskins. And there's a possibility, even though they traded freaking Chase Young and Monte Sweat, there's a chance that that defensive line could be racking up sacks against this Giants offensive line. Luckily, we have Andrew Thomas, so... DeVito doesn't have to worry about his blind side. Doesn't mean everybody else is going to be playing well. Um, so, yeah, when, when it comes to building blocks for the future of this New York Giants team, right now on defense, which is very important, the New York Giants have always been known for their defense. Fortunately for Giants fans, they have some really, really good pieces on that defense that will be with the New York Giants for a few years, for years to come. On offense, it's another story. That's where their draft is going to have to, the draft and free agency is going to have to focus on the offense. Now, the New York Giants on defense aren't perfect. They still need, Pieces to go along with Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau. They're going to need more safeties because both safety positions, well, Pinnock. Pinnock, you know what? I forgot about Pinnock. He may not be a Pro Bowl caliber player, but he is really solid. So Pinnock and Tay Banks, those are two young players who you could build around. But unfortunately, the other necessity is corner and your free safety. So next season, those are two positions, vital positions that need to be uh, made a top priority. You need another pass rusher because Aziz Oljilari, who at one time was considered a building block, he is not dependable. He is back. He didn't do anything against Dallas. Got to give him a little time to get back into playing shape. Hopefully the next seven games, Ojolari is healthy. He, he finishes all, all seven games, and he, he and Kayvon can showcase what they can do together with, along with Dexter Lawrence. Because you can have Dexter Lawrence. But if... Kayvon is being taken out during pass, uh, passing plays, right? Because the tackle and a tight end is, you know, taking, occupying him as he's rushing the passer. And then you have 
two guys trying to block Dexter Lawrence. I say trying because even double teams, he can break through that. So sometimes you have three players blocking the, blocking Dexter Lawrence. You absolutely need that third person or fourth to be able to beat one-to-one blocks in pass rush, in passing situations. Right now, until Ojalari can get back into playing shape, the Giants don't have that third person. Leonard Williams was traded. He was capable of beating offensive guards who were trying to pass block against him. So you couldn't necessarily pay attention to Dexter Lawrence like Dallas Cowboys did, where they didn't fear anyone else but Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence. And you had Smith being uh, playing, uh, going up against uh, Ojolari, and he was handling Ojolari with ease. So, and there were times when Ojolari and, and, and Thibodeau got through, but Dak, you know, Dak, Dak Prescott was able to uh, escape with his legs and make a play. So, yeah, it, it's this. This particular episode is a result of not being able to find anything to talk about for the last game. (laughs) It was that freaking bad. Luckily, the bright spots were Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas. So you can't really say, you know, some of the linebackers or the cornerbacks or the safety, because they gave up 49 points, you know? That's still... (laughs) That's still the reality. So, but Dexter Lawrence is one player. So, I mean, even though he's a dominant player, he's, he's one of the most dominant physically imposing players I've seen in a long time. But unless there's someone to help him, he, he, he's going to be, he's going to tie up two to three blockers. And that's how they'll be able to nullify his impact. But yeah, so let me go back to the Commanders. The Giants are going to face the Commanders. People are saying, yeah, the Giants should beat the Commanders. But look, the reality is the Giants beat the Commanders the last time they played them. But the Commanders were a play away from tying the freaking game. And that was with Tyrod Taylor. And that was with, I would say, a healthier defense because right now you have Flott, who's in uncertainty. Uh, we don't know about Tate Banks. We don't know the situation with Dory Jackson. So, I mean, we might have less talent at the secondary. And the one thing that the commanders do have on, on offense, they have some freaking amazing wide receivers. And, I mean, they did a good job against McLaurin last, last, uh, last game they played. That's not going to happen again. That's not going to happen. They're going to game plan so that McLaurin is getting more involved. And then they have a good running game. And as dominant as Dexter Lawrence is, they could easily run away from Dexter Lawrence. And even still, 
Dallas was trying that, and Dexter Lawrence was freaking making tackles down the line. He's an amazing player. I never get tired of talking about Dexter Lawrence. So this is not a clear win for the New York Giants. I predict them to lose against the Commanders because the Commanders have consistency on in the most important position on their offense, and that's that quarterback. Howell might not be the best quarterback in the division, but the fact that he's been a day one starter and he's still there, that means he has a cohesiveness with his offense, with the rest of his offensive players. And yeah, they don't have the best offensive line and Howell has been sacked the most in the NFL. But they still have freaking tough running back. And once again, McLaren is one of the best wide receivers in the league. They have firepower on that offense. And then defensively, they still have the two all-pro tackles, uh, defensive tackles, two pro bowlers. They have, you know, issues in the secondary. They have some really freaking athletic linebackers. That could be enough to stop this New York Giants offense. <laughs> it really could be, you know. Um, I just don't see anything the Giants can do offensively to generate a freaking long drive, sustainable drive. I don't see them scoring more than 14 points. If the Giants are truly healthy on the offensive line and everybody's playing uh, as good as they can, then they might have a chance because Saquon Barkley can still be the backbreaker to any defense. And he's always had success against the commanders. But I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to predict a loss for the New York Giants. Another loss against an NFC East rival, the Commanders. I am not looking forward to the Giants playing the Eagles. They still have to play them twice. That is going to be freaking horrible. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to take it one game at a time. And I'm going to try the best I can to enjoy these games. I always state it. It takes too long for, for football to come back, so you have to enjoy it, whether it's bad football or not. It's frustrating. The season has been very frustrating. I want to see my team compete, even if we lose. And the way they got their asses whooped against the Cowboys, that, that was, that's not what I wanted to see. I will give it to the offense. They tried their ass. They tried their asses off with what they had. So kudos to DeVito. He had two touchdown passes. He leads the team in touchdown passes. And congratulations to him. You know, local kid, undrafted free agent. He's living his dream right now. So at least that's something positive we can talk about. And the, the cornerstone players that we do have. At least the Giants do have some. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. You guys take care. I'll talk to you later.